Then you did, and you're not even a You think you could pass that. You just sit there reading the newspaper, eating cereal, drinking your milk. Why don't you listen to me? Dead end marriage. Dead end life. Dead end job. Dead inside. So you may be sitting there thinking, Pastor Bill, you look younger, balder, and buffer. Thank you. I feel like the same thing. Just kidding. I'm not Pastor Bill. My name is Nate Dooley. I'm the next-gen pastor here, which means I lead our student and college ministries. So grateful you're here today. So sorry not that Pastor Bill wasn't on stage for you, because I know some of you are like, oh, man, I wanted to hear our pastor. Me too. I completely get it. He called me at 1030 on Friday night and said, hey, man, I need you to do me a huge favor. I said, anything you want, I'll do it. He said, I just tweaked my back bad. Will you preach for me? I said, absolutely. So we need to pray for our pastor. He's probably laying on his back right now. But the truth is, it may be a little bit of a blessing because he has been killing it lately, working his tail off. That's exactly right. And so let's just pray that he gets the needed rest that he needs because he's well deserving of it. Well, we're talking about a little bit about confession today. I'll be talking about that in a second. I'll explain why I'm talking about that. But first, I wanted to admit something. I am a Los Angeles Dodgers fan. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to admit that. I, I kind of feel bad admitting it now, but, but I got to be honest with you, and I will admit this, the better blue team won this, this week. Did they not? They really did, for sure. And so uh, I, I always said when I moved here, I said, I got to pick a Texas team anyway, so you can say hello to the newest Houston Astros fan. <laughs> So here in a second, we're going to be talking about how to heal a dead relationship, how to bring it to life, a dead-end relationship. We're going to be talking about that. Before that, I want to kind of introduce you to my kids and kind of show you a little bit about them. When they come to service, they're a little crazy, if you can relate to that. And so let me just introduce you to my children really quick. If you touch me one more time. What? You're disgusting. <sighs> What's wrong? I pooped. Phone's right there. Why didn't you just tell me? I didn't know I needed to go. I'm uncomfortable. Stop. Give me more room. Move over. Ugh. Stop. I am so bored. So bored. There's nothing to do. There's nothing to do. Hey, mister. Hey, mister. Hey, mister. Hey, you got games on your phone? You got games? I see your phone. I know you got games on there. Hey, mister. Mister, I am talking to you. Mister. You know what would fix all this? Goldfish. Goldfish. You're right. <laughs> 
I gotta be honest, that's the first time I've seen a kid with a beard, a little creepy, just be real. Uh, but we do have an unbelievable kids ministry that would love to pour into your children. My children are there right now. They're poured into every week, and they do a phenomenal job out there. So if you've got your notes, I would love for you to follow along with me. Uh, first thing we're going to be talking about, and this is what we're going to be talking about the majority of the day. Listen to this. This is the truth. The guaranteed way to make your relationship come alive again is through confession. The guaranteed way to make your relationship come alive again is through confession. Now, once again, you're sitting there and you're thinking, seriously, Nate, this is where we're going today? Like we're talking about confession? I don't want to confess. I don't want to talk. I don't like my secrets being known, even if it's my spouse or my girlfriend, or my boyfriend, or my husband. I don't care. Like I don't want to say. But listen, the good thing about this is every single one of us needs to know this because this is hard. The most effective and best practice for relationships, for businesses, for life is usually the hardest practice. When it comes down to it, the thing that we don't want to do is usually the thing that we need to do. And that's the thing in relationships. A lot of times that's confession. Talking about the things that you don't want to talk about. James 5, 16 says this. Make this your commonplace. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. First point for today. Set a regular appointment to meet. Set a regular appointment to meet. The beginning of that verse, 5.16, James 5.16, it says, make this your common practice. You know, an old friend of mine, he was a mentor and a pastor of mine. He had some staff commandments is what they were. And one of them was this. In your marriage relationship, but you can apply this as part of it at least to your dating relationship as well. Dialogue daily, date weekly, and depart quarterly. I love that. I love that it's all D's, but it just makes it really simple to hear, to understand, to apply to your life. Because here's the thing, like when I get home from work, I, I talk to people all day. It's part of my job. I get paid to talk sometime. And so therefore, when I get home, my wife's been working her tail off, slaving after these kids. And she's like, can I have some adult conversation where we're not talking about just goldfish? Um, and so I've got to like open up my mouth and open up my mind and have a conversation when I don't want to. But the importance of dialoguing daily is you look into each other's eyes, you have a conversation, you learn what's really going on and how each other feels, not just what we think. It's important to dialogue daily. Date weekly. That can be your weekly meeting, a regular meeting. When you go on a date, you sit across the table, or if you don't have much money, I can relate to that. Maybe you watch a movie at the house, and then you just sit across from each other and you just have a conversation. Just evaluate where you are. Talk about the relationship. And the depart quarterly, Maybe you could just get away and just go to a cheap hotel for a night, maybe a few times a year so that you can convene as a couple, not as parents or anything like that. And that's obviously applied to the marriage relationships in the room. And the reason why it's important to kind of evaluate because your relationship will a journey to entirely new levels when there are no secrets. Your relationship will a journey into entirely new levels when there are no secrets. Meet regularly. Let me illustrate this. Good businesses, good churches, good leaders, all kinds of different people do something called a SWOT analysis, S-W-O-T. This is more of a business principle, but you can apply it to several different things. When we got back from camp this past summer, I'm the student pastor, and so when we got back from camp, I said, hey, listen, we need to evaluate camp and look at the positives and the negatives. So we wrote S-W-O-T on the board. S is for strengths. Hey, what are some things that went really well that maybe we could duplicate next year if we just tweaked them? Weaknesses. Hey, what are some things we did really bad that we know not to ever, ever do again? Opportunities is the O. Hey, what are some opportunities for potentially the next year, the next time, or the next week in our relationship? 
T would be threats. Hey, what are some threats of our relationship? What are some potential temptations? What are some things that we should not be doing that we're doing now or some things we should be doing that we aren't doing? Early in my relationship, in our marriage, we've been married for about 10 years, I, I learned my wife's love languages. There's a book called Five Love Languages written by Gary Chapman. It's an excellent resource for any couple because you begin to learn the other person and learn how they think and how they appreciate life. And so I learned my wife's love language was gifts. Now, every man's love language is typically touch. That's mine for sure. And so here's the thing. I was like, all right, I got, I got the perfect idea. I'm going to come home early from work and I'm going to go by the store and I'm going to get her a gift. So I did what any man would do. They start to brag on themselves before they, they get home. And I said, babe, I got you something. And I'm not really sure why when I'm using this illustration, I use my sexy voice, but I do. And I said, I got you something. She's like, what'd you give me? I was like, it's a surprise. Yeah. And, she, and so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get some love in the night for sure. And so, and so I said, I got you something. It's a gift. I kept using the word gift and surprise and gift and surprise. And all this. she's like, oh my goodness, I'm so excited. So I, I get home, I close the door, I park in the garage. I open the door with the brand new shiny white laundry basket. Yeah, she kind of had the same response. In fact, when she responded, I'm like, that didn't play out like I thought it would in my mind. And so she taught me really quick, like, that's not a gift. That's not a surprise. That's a chore. You're telling me to do your laundry. And I'm like, it needs to be done. I mean, what if... it's a gift. And so when we met that Sunday, she was like, hey, listen, I appreciate the gesture. Not really. But at the same time, if you're going to give me a gift, get me a gift, something I'd appreciate or enjoy doing. I see a laundry basket and I think about chores. Don't get me that. So it took a SWOT analysis. So when you meet regularly, I challenge you with two simple things. First is this, don't yell. When, when one person in a discussion or usually a, a kind of an, an evaluation, a critique session, whatever you want to call it, when one person yells, the other person checks out. So just don't yell. That's really simple. It's hard to do sometimes because that might be your natural tendency, your go-to. But just try to refrain and just use a calm, gentle voice and don't be demeaning. Second is this, really simple. Don't get offended. Now, when my wife says something, her words carry a lot of weight. Like when she says something, I get, sometimes I get super offended. And she's like, I didn't even mean it like that. And I'm crying and all that kind of stuff. And she's like, man up, you big baby. And I'm like, what? <laughs> um, but at the same time, don't be too sensitive. I remember when we first got married, I think I'm 25, 26, seven years old, about three, four months in the relationship. I said, hey, babe, you're there every Wednesday night when I preach. Will you evaluate my message? Biggest mistake I've ever made. <clears throat> and she said, I'd love to. I'll bring a notepad. I'll take notes. I'll write, write everything down. Give me your notes before and I'll look at them. Okay, this is going to be great. Like she can help me. She can encourage me. She can break it down so I can finish with the message. And I'm like, look, I mean, I I don't know if I'm Craig Grishel, but I'm really good. And so, I mean, that, that message might not be an 11 on a spectrum of 1 to 10, but it's probably like a, a 9. So, I mean, I think I did pretty good. And so we sit down and I said, hey, babe, how was it? And I'm thinking she's going to be like, it was awesome. You did this. Two students got saved, this and that. And I saw in her notepad, there was a bunch of tally marks, like a lot of tally marks. And I said, how many tally marks do you have there? She says, 87. Like, what did, what did you tally 87 times? She said, you said baptism 87 times. And I'm like, holy cow. And she's like, and then you were supposed to say this, this illustration because I looked at her note and you said this. And then it didn't link. And honestly, it was really confusing when you said this, this, and this. And blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on and on and just tearing apart. She said, so on a scale of 1 to 10, it was probably a negative 19. <laughs> now, she wasn't that brutal. But at the same time, I was offended. Like, I was too sensitive. Here's the thing. I asked for the criticism she gave it to me, and I was too sensitive. When you meet, 
Don't be too sensitive. If they're calling out something that they would like for you to work on, and don't say 10 things, maybe like one or two, when they're calling out something that you should work on, just go, you know what? I don't agree, but if that's how she feels, perception might be reality, which means maybe I need to work on this. And don't be too sensitive. Don't yell. Don't be too sensitive. So first thing is set up an appointment. Second is this. Start by admitting your own mistakes, weaknesses, and sins. Start by admitting your own mistakes, weaknesses, and sins. That verse that we already talked about, James 5.16 says this. Confess your sins to each other. So this is what I mean by this. Tell the truth. The whole truth. It's very easy for us, and maybe it's just me, when we're confessing something and we're being honest about something going on in our life, we tell just a, just a snippet of the truth so that we look like we did something wrong, but we don't look horrible. It's like a man might say, hey, I got to be honest with you, babe. I know we were on a budget, but I broke the budget today and I went and bought a rifle when they really brought seven rifles. And then when they're beginning to tell the whole truth or when the truth comes out, she's like, well, I also bought a bow and some hunting equipment and some land to hunt on. (laughs) But I got a really good, I got a really good interest rate. And I also saved money on our car insurance using Geico. So we're good to go. We're good to go. I mean, we got to say the whole truth, not just part of the truth. It says in Proverbs 28, 13, it says, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. The last part of your confession may be, and I have repeatedly done this to you. It it might be something else. You might say, I spent too much money and I broke my promise from the last time to change. And I just wanted to apologize. You know, telling the whole truth, here's what reality is. Telling the whole truth could destroy the relationship. It could mess everything up. But honestly, it says in that passage, is confess your sins to each other. And I would much rather have a, a wrecked relationship that we can heal than a relationship that's built on a lie. And so that's why it's so important to confess. Because when you don't confess in the early stages, it gets worse. Confession stops things from getting worse. Sin lives in secrecy. Sin lives in secrecy. You know, secret sin is kind of like having a monster in the closet. And some of you might be judging me because I'm talking about a monster in the closet. You're not seven years old anymore. Well, I always thought there was a monster in my closet, so forgive me for using this illustration. Secret, secret sin is like having a monster in the closet because every time you give in to that temptation, it's like feeding the monster. Every time you give in, over time, that monster grows more and more powerful, becomes a greater threat to your life and relationship. And here's what can happen. Over time, that monster, not might, it will get out. And when it does, it will destroy everything in its path. Relationship, probably your job, your life, everything. And so that's why it's good to bring the monster into the light while it's still controllable. Because Luke 8, 17, it says this. Everything done in the darkness, everything, not part things, everything done in the darkness will be brought to the light. What makes your marriage come back to real life is true confession. What makes your relationships, whether it's a business relationship or a dating relationship, what makes them come back to life is true confession and honesty. Truth sets you free in your relationship to begin the process of forgiveness and work toward trust. You know, my kids went to another school. This is our last school. And and so 
I went on a field trip. I love hanging out with my kids, trying to spend time with them and all that kind of stuff. It's a perfect opportunity. Get to miss work, spend time with my family, and then pour into my kids as well. So we're on a field trip, and there's this, there's this attractive mom that's on the field trip. I'm married. And so what Stacy and I like to do, we like to bring our temptation out before it starts to eat away our life. And so there's this mom, and she's kind of following me around, kind of talking to me. And I'm like, am I being prideful, or is this, like, attractive mom hitting on me? And so I'm like, what is going on here? So I'm trying to, like, shake her. I turn the corner, and she's like, hi. And I'm like, what is going on? And then I'm, like, trying to shake her. And like, oh, she's still there. I'm like, what is going on? This girl's, like, omnipresent. And so what happens is I'm like, I, I got to bring this to light because she's attractive. I, I probably shouldn't be spending time with her. And so I called my wife, and I said, babe, I still got it. It's not exactly how that played out, not even really close, but the truth is there was a lady at the school and I called my wife and I said, hey babe, just letting you know, I'm having a conversation with this woman, I'm kind of attracted to her, um, but I just want to let you know that there's nothing there whatsoever and I just wanted to bring that to the light. In my wife, in her humble state, not in her jealous state, she said, thank you so much. I really appreciate you saying that. And then you know what? When I bring my sin, my temptation, that's a temptation. When I bring my temptation into the light, it's really hard to fall into that sin because the monster's out of the closet and everyone knows it's hard to give in to something when everybody knows about it. Uh, so that's the truth. I want Stacy to know there's a potential temptation in my path and I encourage you to do the same thing. Third is this, forgive each other. Trust is not needed to Forgive forgive each other. Trust is not needed to forgive. Colossians 3.13 says this, be gentle and ready to forgive. Never hold grudges. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must also forgive others. Listen, church, I've got news for you. You'll never have to forgive more than you've already been forgiven. You'll never have to forgive more than you've already been forgiven. Because here's the thing. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he didn't die for like a few of your sins or most of your sins or two or three of your sins. He saw everything. And I don't know what that looked like. I don't know if God like laid it out on a whiteboard for him. He saw all of your sins, the tweets that you sent out, the words that you said, the things that you thought, everything. And he died for all of them. Guess what, church? You're never going to have to forgive somebody for everything they've already done wrong. Now, you might have to forgive a few things. It's going to hurt. It's going to be hard. But you'll never have to forgive more than you've already been forgiven. You've heard the statement before, don't get bitter, get better. Here's the thing about bitterness. Bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It just doesn't really make sense because we get bitter and mad and frustrated and then the person over there, they're happy-go-lucky. They're good to go, but we're holding on to the bitterness. So actually, we're getting sick. We're, we're taking in their own poison ourselves, and they're fine. But then when we forgive, we're free. We don't have to worry about that bitterness and that hate and that frustration because we've already forgiven them. That quote, bitterness is like drinking poison expecting the other person to die, is by Joanna Weaver. It's not worth it. Forgive them, move on. We don't have the power to forget it. We don't. I try to forget the things that have been wrong to, done wrong to me, but I just can't forget them. But we do have the power to forgive and forego them which means that we don't have to talk about it over and over, and we actually can forgive them. You know, Stacy has had to forgive probably more than anyone I've ever met because I've made some big mistakes. 
I'm just a train wreck waiting to happen at times. It's sometimes what I feel like. I look at some of the things that I've said to her that I've not said, that I've thought, or maybe like at times when I think it's time to have sex, but it's not. And she's like, babe. And I'm like, what? I feel like it always is. And you know what I'm saying, man? And so, but the thing is, she has to forgive me a lot. And, and, and but, the, but the neat thing about Stacy is she always puts others' needs before herself. And it's easy for her to forgive. And when you put others' needs before yourself, it's much easier to put someone else's preference, desires before yourself. She's forgiven because she always does that. She can forgive because she always puts others before herself. And when it's all about me, when it's all about us, we begin to think about what we deserve. And when the truth is, none of us want to know what we really deserve. Forgive others. Next is this. Point four is this. Pray for each other. Pray for each other. Create a spiritual bond. And when you, when you hear that pray for each other, it's like such a simple task, but it's really hard to do. And I can say that from personal experience. And some of you are like, that's really hard for you to do. Yeah, it actually is. Like, I, I, I think it's easy, but then sometimes I don't. But listen to this crazy statistic. This is unbelievable. Some of the first statistics you've heard about, the last one, probably not. While over 50% of first marriages end in divorce, 78% of second marriages end in divorce, less than 1% of couples who pray together daily in their marriages. Less than 1% of couples who pray together daily in their marriages. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm kind of a stats guy. I'm a numbers guy. The 50%, the 78%, I'm like, I'm out. I'm not a part of that club. I don't want to go that route. When I hear the less than 1%, I'm like, I'm in. Whatever I have to do, I'm going to do it. Less than 1% of couples who pray together daily end their marriage. There's your solution. Every night before bed or in the morning, I challenge you this. Just pray together. Every night before you go to bed, just grab each other's hand and pray together. Pray for each other. Pray for the person by name. And here's the neat thing about that. When you pray for each other, when you pray for the person that's with you, it's really hard to hate somebody that you're praying for. That's why, that might be one of the reasons why Jesus says, pray for your enemies. And you sit there and you're like, well, my wife's not my enemy. But it's crazy how some of us who are married in a relationship treat our spouse, our girlfriend, or our boyfriend like they're our enemy. I remember one time I was at a marriage conference and, and they said that and I laughed, but then I sat there and I argued with her. And every time I argued with her, I was like, why is this woman saying this? Why is she saying that? She's always against me. And I'm sitting there going, they're actually right. She's not my enemy. It's easy to love the person that you pray for, especially when you're praying for them over and over and over again. She's not your enemy. He is not your enemy. Last point to save your dead end relationship for today is this. Create a change plan and stick to it. Create a change plan and stick to it. You know, trust is not immediately, but it can be earned back. You know, you probably heard this, this statement before. Tell, don't tell me you're sorry. Show me you're sorry. I've had a dollar every time my wife said that. I'm like, I, I know, quit saying it. I don't know who made that statement up, but I'd really like to slap them, like in the name of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just... I can't stand it because I'm like, I get it, I know. But I mean, here's the thing. I say it over and over. It's like, I mean it. Like I've said it and I know I do the same thing over and over and over again. But I said, I'm sorry. Like that mean, that word has meaning and depth. Well, not really. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. Maybe it's insane of us to expect someone to be sorry if they haven't shown they're sorry. And although I disagree with it and I don't like it because I got to do the work, 
it's true. It's very true because I've said some words that have really hurt my wife. I've said some words that have really hurt my wife. Nothing that I've said has been to her or about her. For instance, I was laying in bed as I was preparing for this message late on Friday night, um, and I actually woke my wife up, say, at 11.30, and I said, hey, babe, have I ever called you a name? I said, I just want to be sure because I'm getting ready to say something. She said, no, no, absolutely not. Listen, men, don't ever call your girlfriend, your wife, whoever, a name. Don't ever. She's your wife. Like, she was created in the image of God, she was created in the image of God and you're calling her a name? Absolutely not. I would never do that. I married her. I've sacrificed my life for her, my kids' lives for her. I would never call her a name. Men, I encourage you the same thing. Don't even think about it. And if you have a struggle with doing that, this is what I would encourage you to do. Get some help. Get some accountability. And men, listen. Maybe, here, I got some news for you. I really got some news. It might be sad news. If you've ever been around the opposite sex, and I'd say most of you have because you are right now, they're a little more emotional than we are. Like women, sorry to break it to you. Men, sorry to break it to you. Like they get a little more emotional. Sometimes they speak off the lip a little more than you want them to. And so they might call you a name. Has anybody ever had that happen? Like they might like, blah, 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 you're ugly. And then you say, that's your, that's your problem. You married me. I mean, they might say something like that. But here's the truth of the matter. We don't need to be calling each other names. He's not your enemy. She's not your enemy. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. And so therefore we cannot give in to that. One time I messed up with my words j just once uh, with my wife and um, she actually texted me something. And for some reason, when I was young in my relationship many months ago, uh, she texted me something and, and I did what any normal person would do. I screenshot it and put it on the World Wide Web. Bad idea. Uh, and so she actually sees it and calls me, and she's like, I am going to beat you with a rubber hose. And I said, what? what? What's going on? I'm like, I know. Hey, it was funny, wasn't it? And she says, no, that was a personal text to you and not to anyone else. And I didn't want you sharing it on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And I'm like, I bet nobody saw it. She's like, I've already got three texts. But the bottom line was I should not have said that. And so she really was not happy with me. She said, babe, in scripture it says, be slow to speak and quick to listen. You are quick to speak and slow to listen. And it hurt, but it was true, and I needed it. And so she called me out. I just had to listen, and I heard what she said, and then I had to make some changes. She actually gave me 10 verses on taming your tongue and being slow to speak. And she said, I want you to memorize these. Show me you're sorry. And I was like, all right. And so I memorized, I think I memorized like eight or nine of it. I wasn't perfect. But I memorized those verses and I applied them to my life. And so whenever you have a struggle, whether it's your mouth or your tongue or whatever it may be, memorize some scripture about it because scripture is going to help you fight that temptation no matter what it is. Don't say you're sorry, show you're sorry. Matthew 3, 8 says this, prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Make the changes for your change plan. Make the changes for your change plan. One time I, I met a girl in college and uh, I think her name was Jamie and I called her on the phone and I called her voicemail and I got her voicemail. It was probably the funniest voicemail I've ever heard in my whole entire life. And it said this, it said, hey, this is Jamie. I've made some changes in my life. If I don't call you back, you're one of them. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm not leaving a voicemail. 
she might not call me back. And then I'm going to get insecure. I'm like, I'm hanging up. I'm like, I'm not friends with this person. This person scares me. And I thought it was really funny, but she told the world, hey, I got some changes to make and, and I'm, I'm going to change the people, some relationships and all kinds of stuff. She needed to make changes quickly. So here's what I challenge you. If you got to make some changes, change them, change your plans, change your friends, change your routine, quit the job, delete that app from your phone, get a flip and flip phone. You know what I'm saying? A flipping, it flips, flip phone. I'll check that joke off. Don't use that again. <clears throat> Be careful of too much free time if you keep falling into the same temptations because you know where your struggle is. Know when and where you are weak and set up boundaries when you are strong. Let me give, give you an example of someone who's done that. Grant Cardone is an incredible businessman. A lot of people know about his fame. Let me tell you some of the things he's accomplished. He's a top sales professional, entrepreneur, training expert, business owner, author, and multimillionaire. I'm worn out after explaining his resume. I can't imagine accomplishing it. Well, many people, like I said, know about his fame, but not his pre-fame. He was heavily addicted to drugs and realized that throwing himself into his work consumed his free time, leaving no time to mess up his life again. Due to this, he became a top salesman and ultimately a multimillionaire who teaches sales techniques around the world. <clears throat> Listen, church. Whatever screwing up your life, change it. Whatever's driving you into a hole, get rid of it. Whatever relationship with someone else, maybe it's a job or maybe it's something with your phone or something on the internet, get rid of it. Because if you don't change it, it's going to ruin your relationship and it's going to ruin your life. Make the changes that you need to make. Because God's calling you to make some changes in your life so that you can be right with him. Whatever's screwing up your life, make the change for your change plan. <clears throat> Listen. Set up a meeting. Set up a meeting. Confess your dark secrets. Forgive each other. Pray for each other. Set up a change plan and stick with it to demonstrate your sorrow. Six months into my marriage, my wife and I have been married, like I said, for about 10 months. 10 years, I'm sorry. Six months into our marriage, it was still the honeymoon. If you've been married, you know the honeymoon stage. You're like, awesome, excited. Everything's so much fun. Everything's perfect. Then like six months, you're like, he pees on the seat and she never cleans the room or dirty clothes or everything. You all start to fight about the most obvious things. Like, they've been there for six months. Why didn't you realize them before? Because it's still the honeymoon. But then, like, reality hits. Well, here's what happened with us. We're sitting in church, just like this. We're getting ready to take communion. And the pastor says, he says, if you got something to confess, you need to confess it to the Lord or somebody else that you need to confess it to. So I leaned over to my wife, and I said, hey, babe, I got something to confess to you, and I want to confess this to you later. And she's like, well, what is it? I was like, there was a key word in that conversation. It was later. And she said, no, I really want to know what it is now. And I'm like, no, I really want to tell you later. And she's like, fine. So we took communion and I got home and we, I did that because if I didn't say that, then I wouldn't have confessed. And so we went home and, and I said to her, I said, babe, I've been looking into some stuff on the internet that I shouldn't have. And, and I'm sorry. And I, I wanted to bring that out in the light. And so I'd love to say that she was just graceful and forgiving immediately. She wasn't. She was mad and ticked and broken. And so I, I knew that we'd get through it because we made a commitment till death do us part. And like we weren't going to like end the relationship because my stupid mistakes. So I, I knew we weren't going to end it. A divorce was never even a conversation or a thought. And I knew that she wouldn't think like that. But at the same time, I thought, are we ever going to get through this? And then a few days later, more stuff came out because I only told a little bit of the truth and the whole truth came out. And so she had to forgive me. And, and then she did forgive me. 
We started to pray each other. We started to pray for each other nightly with each other. We made a change plan how to conquer this thing that was going to destroy our marriage and my life. And she actually made me sign a covenant of a change plan. I wrote out several things that I needed to do. And I said, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And so we wrote out several things. She said, I want you to sign it. And you're like, you do that in your marriage? Like, can't you trust each other? No, absolutely not. So therefore, you got to put your name to it and sign to it. Gets a covenant between each other. And so because the commitment we made, we stuck to it. I didn't say I was sorry. I showed I was sorry. And here's the thing. After that time, that season, that difficult time, our relationship was better than it's ever been. It was life-changing. It was unbelievable because we weren't living on a lie. We were living in truth and we confessed and we talked about it and we prayed for each other and we made some sacrifices. Here's the definition of a sacrifice. Giving up something you love for something you love more. I think that's a perfect definition. Giving up something you love for something you love more. I wanna challenge you with something today, Church Unlimited. Don't y'all love homework? Adults, don't you miss homework at school? Like, doesn't it give you just warm, fuzzy feelings? Nobody's raising their hand. Uh, students, I know, I know you love homework. I'm going to give you some homework. I'm going to make it really simple. Anybody in a relationship, and this can pl- apply to a business relationship, a dating relationship, and especially to a marriage relationship. Any relationship, it can apply to this. Here's your homework. Kiss, confess something to each other. Something that you're probably struggling with, which means you've got to be vulnerable. You've got to be honest. And you've got to bring the monster out of the closet that you've been feeding for a very long time. In fact, it might take something like this. Because if you wait to confess, you're probably not going to. It might say, hey, babe, I've got something to talk to you about later. And then when he says later, don't let me be my life. And say, what is it now? Say, no, later, key word. It might take you grabbing out your bulletin and saying, babe, I want to talk to you about this. And put an underline in her and hand it to her and say, we'll talk later, not right now. I want you to be honest and be vulnerable because it's amazing when you look into each other's eyes and says, I have done this. Last week I did that. I am so sorry and I'm gonna prove to you I'm sorry by doing this. And then spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, the receiving end of that conversation, I want you to say this, I forgive you. But the truth is you might not be able to forgive immediately. And I understand that my wife wasn't able to, but you can say, I'm not ready to forgive you right this second, but I will work toward it. And here's the truth of the matter. Maybe you need to confess some things to God. Maybe you need to get your relationship with Christ right because your marriage will never, your relationship will never grow as it could without a right relationship with Christ. Can I ask everybody to bow your heads and close your hearts? All locations, just bow your heads and close your hearts and listen to what the Lord has to say to you. You know, if if you have a dead-end relationship, I want you to make the decision right now to bring that relationship to life by setting up a regular meeting, confessing, forgiving, praying daily, and making a change plan to make it right. Here's the thing, it's it's gonna take sacrifice. You're probably gonna have to give up something you love for maybe someone you love more. But here's the greatest example of sacrifice is Jesus. Because he gave up his all. He gave up heaven and tens and thousands of angels bowing at his feet so that we didn't have to die on the cross for our sins. You know, he lived a life that we couldn't live to die the death that we deserved. He took our sin, our shame, the things that we need to confess about, and he died on the cross for it. And like I said, he saw your sin, he saw your life, he saw your darkness, and our sin ultimately deserves hell, but Jesus took our place. And here's the thing, if you want to give your life to Christ for the first time, the only time, and the last time, 
I want you to repeat this prayer after me in, for, in just a second as we pray this prayer with you. And the whole church will be praying this around you, but there's going to be a few of you that say, of all of our churches, there are a few of you that say, you know what? I really need to get my life right with Christ and I need to surrender my life over to him for the first time, the only time, and the last time. And if that's you, we're going to pray this as a church right now. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my life and take over. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I surrender my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so incredibly true.